Hello and welcome to the Rugby Show here on the 42. Dolly, Gavin Casey here looking ahead to the second test with Australia and I'm joined in Melbourne by Murray Kinsella. Monza, how are things? Not too bad, Gavin. How are you? I am keeping very well indeed. Are you looking forward to uh, the second test after the barn burner that we, uh, well, ended up enduring but probably enjoyed a little bit as well last weekend? Yeah, great game. Great test match last weekend. Um, really looking forward to seeing how Ireland respond. I guess tactically there's loads of different elements how they deal with Israel Folau in the air, how they manage David Pocock a little bit better. Um, and on the flip side, how are the Wallabies going to play? The weather forecast at the moment is pretty poor. Uh, rain kind of forecast for Saturday and, and quite cold. So um, it's going to be a different test a different test match, I think. But yeah, so much to look forward to. And this selection that Joe Schmidt's just uh, named uh, this morning, Irish time, is uh, really interesting. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's rung the changes. We probably spoke uh, earlier in the week or even it was probably after the first test that we'd expected Sexton to come in at 10. We expected Levy to return at 7. But still, he's probably um, not necessarily come from left to field, but he's made a couple of changes that might have been slightly less expected. Uh, run, run us through those. We might start maybe from 15 downwards. So Andrew Conway comes in at 14. Keith Earl swaps to the left wing and Jacob Stockdale misses out. Uh, it's you know, was there concerns about Stockdale's fitness or how did they spin that one? Because he did have a, yeah. probably by his standards, had a poor game uh, at the weekend. Yeah, so as you say, there's a couple of selections here that weren't really forecast, a couple of surprise selections, particularly Conway and Noah Scanlon at Hooker. So I think the first question to Joe Schmidt in the press conference today was who's injured, who wasn't available. He said Bundy Aki has had an ankle niggle, the same one he had before the before the tour kicked off and he didn't train on Tuesday. Ian Henderson's knee was at him. He kind of twisted it in the last game, so he didn't train. Stockdale as well had a lot of bangs and bruises they're describing them as, so he was quite fatigued and didn't train on Tuesday. Um, and they had a few other guys in that boat who have pulled through. So I don't think this is a, a dropping of Jacob Stockdale by any means. He'll, he'll be back in for the third test. Um, Joe Schmidt kind of hinted that way certainly today. Um, I think we'll see him back in the team, but it's definitely a good opportunity for Andrew Conway, who was Really impressive in November, I thought, when he was in the Ireland setup. Um, missed the Six Nations and Grand Slam, obviously, largely because of injury, because he probably would have been that 23rd man um, that Fergus McFadden played and then Jordan Larmer towards the end of the competition. I think he was in a strong position to be that guy and potentially pushing even for a starting spot. So good to see him back, rewarded for what has been a really good season for Munster. Some good finishes, aerial competitions being good. Um, and I think he'll fit into that, that back three really well. You know, we mentioned Israel Flau and uh, the Wallabies kicked 26 times last weekend and we can certainly expect a bit, a bit more of that. So I think he'll be comfortable with, with, with that. The injury to Bundyaki in midfield makes it obviously a pretty easy, straightforward selection with only three recognised centres in the squad. Um, and Gary Ringrose being back will definitely add a lot to Ireland's attack in particular. Uh, his footwork just gets him over the game line a little bit more. The creative kind of element he has. Um, and defensively, obviously, very intelligent as well. Um, and Ireland maybe struggled to deal with the, the Wallabies' width at, at times as well. In the halfbacks, obviously, the big name of Johnny Sexton back as well. And I mean, we don't need to say too much about him. He's, he's Ireland's most important player. Um, and he's going to completely change how they play, how they think, um, how driven they are. And he's been driving those standards all week uh, quite aggressively. So um, that's very exciting. And, and up front, Niall Scannell. You know, that is a surprise selection. We all expected Sean Cronin to be in there. So that was certainly uh, kind of left field today. Yeah. Um, well, let's touch upon that then. Noel Scannell, I mean, obviously, he, he would have been viewed by many as sort of maybe the successor, really, to Rory Best. Although I know plenty of people then that will argue he's not even the best hooker at Monster. You know, they have a lot of competition down there in that position. 
obviously the the name that misses out here and it is pretty heartbreaking for him given that this surely should have been his chance to sort of at least put his hand up for a, a potential starting berth down the line to Sean Cronin um, what was the sort of decision making there or what was it based upon rather and what were the sort of lines coming out of camp on that decision yeah yeah well Joe Schmidt on the record was saying that listen Noscan was with us last year um, obviously filled in for Rory Best that time when Best got ill before the Italy match and he did really well he had a really good season that season. This season has been trickier, and, and Reese Marshall has been the frontline hooker for some of the biggest games for Munster. So he hasn't quite hit that peak yet, but I do think long-term he has all the attributes. It, w- it was just interesting that Joe Schmidt immediately talked about his scrummaging. He said he's a strong scrummaging hooker. He said we weren't strong enough in that area the last day, and he, he's going to bring us onto that front foot at scrum time, like quite pointed stuff. Um, and my understanding is that Ireland are... Um, they were looking at that scrum in the 69th minute where, you know, where the Wallabies won a really key penalty and kicked it out to, to 11-9 on the scoreboard. Um, and I think Ireland's review showed that Sean Crone had been kind of uh, beaten in the, in the battle of the front row at that stage. Looking back on it, his right arm kind of pops out. He loses his bind. Um, and, the, and the Wallabies hooker, uh, Latu, the replacement hooker, goes through on fur- Furlong as well, leaving him in a, in a horrible kind of two-on-one situation. So I think that the Irish management were a little bit disappointed with that. And, they probably have had concerns around Cronin, um, around his physicality, his size. You know, he only weighs 101 kg, which is quite light for a hooker and certainly lighter than all the other hookers available to Joe Schmidt. Like, Scannell's up around 110 kg um, and certainly stronger in the scrum. So they've had that concern over him. Like, you look at his, his starts um, for Ireland. He's had 62 caps, but only nine starts, um, which probably points to that concern that Schmidt has had over him now. That's one, but that's one side of the story. The other side of the story is that Sean Cronin um, is possibly the most impactful hooker off the bench in the world. You know, he can add something completely different to to your your match day twenty three. A, a real impact in the wider channels later on in games with his pace, with his footwork, good handling ability. Um, and for me, he does he does hit hard. He, he's he's energetic and and powerful. Um, so there's there's definitely two lines of thinking there. Joe Schmidt is the one who makes these decisions, though, and, and, and certainly that's the sense at the moment that that power and size is something they're they're slightly concerned about. So, I mean, we don't know if Cronin's going to come back in next weekend, but certainly at this point it doesn't look great for him because, you know, Rory Best is missing. And as you say, this was a tour for him to get in there. So, um, yeah, I think he'll be absolutely gutted with this selection. Um, and particularly because, like, you know, the other guys who come on for that scrum, Furlong and Healy, they're into the starting team. Obviously, they've proven themselves at scrum time over the years, in, in fairness. But, um, yeah, he certainly looks to be the, the scapegoat almost for that, that big penalty decision at scrum time. Yeah, it's fair enough. It's unfortunate for Cronin. Uh, we'll see. Obviously, he might have a, a chance in the third test, I suppose, particularly if it winds up being a dead rubber. Although, I suppose, as you mentioned there, if he doesn't come in for that third test, you'd imagine that chance is almost gone, that he's, he's probably resigned to being an impact player. Um, yeah. for the duration of his of his international career, really. Yeah, well, we should also mention that Rob Herring did have a really good game the, the last day. Um, you know, Ulster's backup hooker, um, and he has been playing well up there. I don't know how much people actually watch Ulster's uh, regular season fixtures, but he's he's been impressive every time I've watched him. And I thought he was really good. He's, his his line-out throwing is superb. Um, he was really energetic around the pitch. A couple of brilliant claims of overthrows by the Wallabies at the back of the line. One of them really important. He got a one-handed kind of sliding in against Pocock and Hooper, and they won a, a penalty straight off that, um, which Carberry actually missed. But he was he was a, a very energetic presence, and he really grew into the game. I think Ireland were happy with his scrummaging. Um, 
And so he's kind of been a big winner in the first week of this tour. So with him, with Scannell there, who Scannell wasn't even supposed to be in this touring squad, and now he starts a test with a, with a huge opportunity to pretty much copper fasten a place in a World Cup squad realistically if he has a, a big game and obviously Rory Best to come back. So, yeah, that is a, a concern for Cronin, but we'll, we'll wait and see what happens there. He could come back in next week. Hopefully he gets a chance and, and, and pr- proves a point. 100%. Uh, just one other change then, and that was uh, Dan Levy, who we touched upon last week. I mean... How much, like, I suppose, given our struggles at the breakdown, this was, like, a logical decision more than anything, and it was one that we had expected. I'm wondering how much the presence of somebody like Levy can even help Peter O'Malley alongside him in a way. It felt as though maybe last weekend that O'Malley, well, I personally felt he was probably a little bit ineffectual on the ground, but largely because he, he maybe didn't have the support that he would have with a Chris Clota or even Levy in the past in the Six Nations. Um, do you think that that back row now as a unit with Levy's introduction can be a little bit more impactful on the ground? Yeah, like, man, he got a turnover, I think, in the first half, didn't he, defensively. Like, when you're looking at the attack, we, we do tend to focus on the back row, but it is an unbelievably collective effort. It's not just down to the seven, the six, the eight, mm. um, or, or that combination. Like, you look at Ireland's best performances, and the last time they played Cocock before last weekend in, in 2016 in Dublin, they absolutely smashed him at the rock. Every single player on the pitch had a big focus. Uh, if he's anywhere in the vicinity, we're going to absolutely aggressively smash him out of there. It was a mindset thing, and, and that was slightly lacking, I thought, last weekend. Um, as well as that, the Australians were really clever in how they how they allowed Pocock to get those opportunities. Like Watching the game back, they were really intelligent and slightly illegal maybe with some of the play off the ball. You know, you just get a little shoulder onto the first support player, and he's slightly delayed getting there. Even the... The, the last one where Conor Murray lost the, the head a little bit with the referee, there was a pullback on Tyke Furlong by Michael Hooper off the ball um, just to delay him getting to that rock and he couldn't clear the body out quick enough. And they were really good at that little bit of detail that Ireland probably have been good at in the past, just adding a little bit of delay to those first cleaning players into the, into the, into the rock. So, look, it's been a massive focus. I, I would imagine there was a, a detailed meeting on, on Pocock and, and that breakdown threat in the Ireland camp this week. Um, and I think they'll have a huge focus on being aware of him on the pitch, getting to that breakdown before it turns into a rock, before he even has a chance to to arrive and get his hands on the ball, being really early with that, being a little bit more animated. Andy Farrell spoke about this around the ball carrier. So you're actually adding a little bit of a, a, a distraction for a defender as well, just before the carrier goes to ground. And as always, that work by the ball carrier on the ground, just to make sure that he can't clamp straight onto the ball. Um, he, he's He's such a threat. He got a couple of really good turnovers the last day, but I think there's uh, Ireland were close to, to managing him a bit, a bit better. And collectively, I think the mindset is going to be so aggressive. You know, I think they've been, they'll feel they've been wronged. That's, that's an area of real pride for them, their own possession, um, as well as the kicking game. So those two points are, are going to be massive for them this weekend. Yeah, 100%. Like, before we move off the Ireland team, though, just one thing I wanted to ask you about, and it's sort of a maybe something that doesn't really get touched upon too often, but that's with Keith Earl swapping wings I'm always curious as to I think there's maybe a, a misconception out there that like you can just swap wings willy-nilly and you'll be equally effective off both now I'm sure plenty of elite level wingers are but for Earls, for example so you're moving off the right wing he's a right-footed player he's coming onto the left wing you know he'll have one foot that he probably favors stepping off what what are the sort of subtle changes that a winger would need to make when they're swapping sides particularly like given you know from one week to the next against the same opposition yeah, I mean, there's a lot in it. You mentioned the, the side they like prefer to kick off um, or kick on. Um, and a lot of wingers will like to have their 
the foot closest to the touchline being their kicking foot so they can kick in field when they're in trouble. You know, when you're running out of space, getting in behind the defense and drawing up that 15 and putting it in behind them, it's a little bit easier when you can slightly kick away from the touchline. Um, other guys prefer to have a, a, the opposite way around so that when they go back to retrieve the ball, they've got a longer a longer distance with their kicking foot to the touchline. Um, and teams themselves will consider things like which side does Conor Murray kick, uh, box kick better off if it's the right side of the pitch? Do I want to have my best chasing winger on that side to get up in the air and have that aerial competition? Alternatively, if, if we're a big counter-attack kick return side, I want to have him on the side of the pitch where the opposition kicker isn't going to kick to so that when we move the ball into space, he's going to be you know, in a one-on-one situation. So there's, there's a lot that goes into it. I think the fact that it's Keith Erz and he's so experienced uh, makes it easier for him to switch across. And I think his footwork off both sides is pretty good. Um, I don't think it'll be a huge issue for him. And he has played in both, both positions uh, for Ireland quite a bit and for Munster as well as every other position pretty much across the back line. Um, so I think he'll be more than capable of doing that. And, and um, I do like to look at that back three and, and I'm hopeful that um, Earls and Conway will get a little bit more possession this weekend. Yeah, here's hoping. A couple of comments flying in, and please do keep them coming in. Uh, Brian Midlennon says, flying to Melbourne from Brizzy in the morning. This one's ours. So enjoy yourself down there, Brian, <laughs> and say hello to Murray if you spot him. James Dudley, uh, don't be so timid this week. Go Ireland. That's probably a sentiment we all share, James. And Kieran Kelly says, scandal is a good choice. Uh, no Cronin for impact. So I think he means uh, no, Cronin not starting so that he can make the impact off the bench. And then, not sure Herring has that impact, although you've touched upon there, Murray, how impressive Herring was the last day. No testing of Ross Byrne, asks Kieran Kelly. Is it a case, really, of, like, we have a certain number of eggs in the basket now ahead of the World Cup, and, like, it is about building Carberry towards being that second ten and not necessarily experimenting with three or four lads? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. It may end up that Ross Byrne doesn't get capped on this tour, which would be a shame. Um, but I think if Ireland are going to that final test, looking to, to win the series, then Schmidt won't be holding back with his selection there anyway. Mm. Um, to, to, to finish this tour, to finish this season with a serious success in Australia would just top it all off and really set Ireland up for, for that run at the World Cup. Um, so yeah, like if they lose this game, then Ross Byrne will, will certainly come in and get a cap in the third test, but they're probably not even the circumstances you want. Um, and I think Schmidt has already got a good bit out of this tour in terms of trialing things in the first game and as you say Carberry getting really valuable game time and having a look back at the game I thought he was good obviously there were errors like it's it's a huge step up for him facing that kind of line speed that kind of aggression but I thought he picked out some nice passes and um, I thought he had a couple of nice decisions on the ball as well which is so important for an out half obviously he missed that that penalty kick which I think Schmidt was a little bit frustrated with and as was Carberry himself so Definitely a lot to work on and, and he'll have learned from being in those situations where he has to call a lot of plays on the hop and, and getting into the opposition 22 and trying to be calm there and, and, and direct the team. So for me, that's been really valuable experience, even though if Johnny, was on the, if Johnny Sexton was on the pitch last weekend, I think we might have had a, a different result. Yeah, I think there's probably people who would agree with that. But as you mentioned, invaluable game time for Carberry, and it is maybe about the bigger picture as much as it is about winning a series. Um, looking at the Australia team, not much not much by way of changes, really. Um, a couple of sort of positional reshuffles more than anything. Yeah, the, the, the two wingers have the opposite number jersey this weekend, but they actually changed that at the last stage um, last weekend. But it's the first time first time in Cheka's uh, tenure that he's actually had an unchanged 23. Uh, right. He claims he didn't realise that, but... Um, yeah, I think it points to the fact that they had a good performance that he feels that was their first game of the year, which it was a week's preparation for that. And he wants to give those guys a chance to 
to get the benefit of those combinations and and having learned from a couple of errors of their own last weekend. So, um, yeah, I think they'll be in a pretty strong and, and confident kind of mindset. Um, they'll feel that they manage Ireland's threats particularly well, but also very much aware that this is a very different Ireland team. Dan Levy's raw physicality, Johnny Sexton's game management, um, and the combination with Murray, uh, Gary Ringrose's footwork and, and his defensive intelligence. So it's definitely going to be a step up for the Wallabies, and, and what an exciting game ahead. Is there a way in which Ireland can somehow hamper Israel Folau in the air, or do you just almost have to accept that he's a freak of nature and not maybe kick the ball down on top of him as often as we did last weekend? Yeah, so it's been really interesting. We wrote about the this, the restart strategy um, earlier this week, and Cheka was talking about that today, and he his theory was that Ireland were trying to take him out of the game um, with the first kick of, of a passage, which is, really does make sense when you when you think back of that last uh, aerial take he had, the big one over Jacob Stockdale, over his head, that, that ended up leading to, to the try. Um, that was directly off a restart that they didn't kick to him. They kicked off to the right. And if you watch Israel Folau, he moves straight from that position in the centre of pitch, straight across to the right touchline. And on the very next phase, they kicked that ball for him to, to run and compete with. So that was probably Ireland's thinking. Let's also get a good competition on their best player but let's try and take him out of the game so he's not on his feet to go and compete for the ball when he was on his feet which was relatively rare in those situations you saw the damage he caused even against Carney earlier on for that penalty where the ball was knocked on and Aki picks it up and um, so yeah he's, he's close to unbeatable but I think there's definitely things they can do better even the Jacob Stockdale one you look back at it and it's going to be very difficult to beat him in that contest, but Stockdale probably just gets there too early. He's underneath the ball. And he's jumping up off two feet rather than launching himself in to meet the ball on that 45-degree that angle. Um, so I think that I've learned from those little technical errors as well as trying to manage where he is and, and when he's on his feet on the pitch. So they'll definitely have a, a, a bit of a, um, a strategy around improving that and, and giving him less opportunities to, to show his unbelievable skill. We were at the AFL uh, this week and um, some of the some of the stuff Israel Flau was doing was uh, better than what we saw in the Melbourne cricket game. He's, he's an exceptional player. He certainly is that much. Uh, I suppose like you mentioned the Australian mindset there, it's probably a testament to Ireland's mindset that we can come off the back of a, you know, a nine-point defeat to Australia that in previous years we would have sort of accepted, particularly if there was a second test. But, you know, it was clear from the players and coaching staff that there were a lot of frustrations uh, on the back of last weekend. Are we almost overlooking maybe Australia in one way, I suppose, because for the last couple of years, I mean, obviously, maybe World Cup aside, they haven't necessarily been the force that they were in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, whereas under Cheka, they probably are almost as much as a, a coming force as Ireland are. Like we probably have this idea of us being kind of fastened as a number two team in the world, at least ahead of November and New Zealand. But there's probably a case to be made for Australia being, you know, at least chasing us very closely, if not up there with us already. Yeah, I think the first guy who would make that case would be Joe Schmidt. He always talks about the the little margins between these games. Uh, between these teams of, of this uh, stature and, and that's definitely the case they've had a very different journey to Ireland in fairness over the last couple of years since that 2015 World Cup quite a few debuts, I think 27 debuts um, a lot of change in the team a lot of inconsistency in performance um, but they feel they've come through that now and got to the stage where Cheka goes, okay I've got a pretty settled squad here I know who my key players are I also have David Pocock back from a sabbatical for a year which helps a little bit um, so I think they feel they've got that that core B 
built in. Now they can start developing new strands because, you know, they've always been known as that run everything team. Uh, we're all about attacking play. But last weekend against Ireland, it was very tactically mature. 26 kicks. Um, now, some of that kicking was quite poor, but they tried to put a lot of pressure back on Ireland. They had a big focus on the scrum, which they're not traditionally known for either. Um, and certainly just like raw physicality was a big thing that Cheka was driving. Just making big hits, making big statements in contact. Um, and those three things we mentioned there aren't really traditionally uh, associated with Australian rugby. So I think they're going to move in a slightly different direction now with the World Cup in 2019 in mind. Um, and certainly they've brought through some promising players, a couple of other guys who aren't involved at the moment that, that could come into the mix as well. So, yeah, they're, I mean, over here you talk to people and they talk about, oh, my God, Australian rugby is in the doldrums. And which it is at super rugby level, the, the crowds are poor. Um, and even below that, some of the structures and, and the way they bring through players are... are, are um, probably not to what we have in Ireland but they still get through these incredible players like you know a guy like Marika Corabetti who's still learning the finer details of defensive play but when he gets going like Jacob Sockdale did very well to stop him that time and he's covering ground pretty quickly and um, guys like Curly B who's so talented on the ball you could play him anywhere in the back line Filet we've mentioned um, and guys like that and Penga Mosa comes in for his debut last weekend had some nervy moments but he's a big athlete he's a strong guy um, so there's loads of different elements to their squad and for me, they'll they'll definitely be in the mix of the World Cup. I don't think there's there's a huge gap between between all these nations. It's interesting to see South Africa now last weekend looking like they're revived, which is brilliant for rugby. Not pr- probably brilliant for Ireland when they looked at that World Cup draw and saw South Africa potentially in a quarter final. You go, oh, that might be the one for us to finally get into a semi final. But I think it's brilliant for the game that they look like they could be revived under under Razzie Erasmus as well. And I definitely think there's going to be four or five teams in, in the mix for the World Cup. The All Blacks will lead the way, of course, but um, no, it's not just going to be Ireland versus the All Blacks in the final, guaranteed. I think it's going to be a really, really good tournament. And this is all this is all part of it. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens in the meantime. Before we let you go, Murray, um, how do you fancy your chances then? I presume uh, Ireland might nick it in a close one this time around. Yeah, I, th- I thought they'd win last again to get, a, get it going, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for an Ireland win again. Yeah, I think the forecast rain will help them in what is going to be i would expect a really ferocious performance they like all chatting to all the players you can just sense that simmering anger um at having having been beaten for the first time in in 15 months so i think we're going to get a big response i think johnny sexton being back the for me to format half in, in world rugby is a is a game changer as well so i think ireland will level it up and we'll, we'll go to, to to sydney for a decider it's going to be really exciting lovely job looking forward to it cheers murray Thanks a million. We'll catch, catch you soon. Saturday. And to you guys at home as well, thanks a million for tuning in. We'll be back after the second test on Saturday to uh, catch up with Mozza down there in Melbourne. Uh, in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week and have a, have a good weekend. And, uh, well, hopefully enjoy the uh, second test as well. But until then, take it easy.